The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your belongings and give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Gird your loins and light your lamps, and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. And should he come in the second or third watch and find them prepared in this way, blessed are those servants. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. Then Peter said, Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, Who then is the faithful and prudent steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants to distribute the food allowance at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master on arrival finds doing so. Truly, I say to you, the master will put the servant in charge of all his property. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the men's servants and the maid servants to eat and drink and get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour and will punish the servant severely and assign him a place with the unfaithful. That servant who knew his master's will but did not make preparations nor act in accord with his will shall be beaten severely. And the servant who was ignorant of his master's will but acted in a way deserving of a severe beating shall be beaten only lightly. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Most of this past week, I was at a camp for uh, younger boys discerning the priesthood called Quobatis Days. So these were all high school age boys. And uh, so there's 21 boys there, and then there were about 14 or so of our seminarians who helped out during the camp. And so all during this time, you know, Quobatis Days, the whole origin of that name, we've been doing it for a long time now. Uh, Monsignor John Syak actually started this many years ago, I think over 20 years ago mm-hmm. now. And it comes from that story that, that's not in scripture, but it's, it's one of our traditions, is that when the persecutions reached kind of a fever pitch in Rome, everybody was very concerned 
that St. Peter was going to be killed in the persecutions, him and Paul. And so, sort of under their advice, he starts to leave the city. And he's walking out of the city on the Oppian Way. And then he sees the Lord. He sees the Lord on the road walking toward Rome. And he says, you know, quo vadis domine? Lord, where, where are you going? You know, where are you going? And he said, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified a second time. And then he disappears. And then Peter realizes it, it's him. It's him that needs to go back into Rome. And in fact, he turns around and he goes back towards Rome. And that's when he's crucified around that same time. But it's that question, where are you going? That's what we're there to confront all of those young men with. And it was an amazing trip, you know, especially when we hear like super packed readings today, the gospel and the second reading, you know, where your treasure is, there also is where your heart lies. That's exactly what we're trying to get these boys to understand, is what's the actual treasure? And the fact that they were even willing to come to a camp like that, remove themselves from the electronic and digital world that we have, was, was a great sign, the sign that we hear in the second reading, faith. It's a gift of faith, something that we can't tangibly touch, but we know to be true. And those men were there by faith. And we did a lot of different cool things, like fun things, right? We, I mean, we prayed together a lot, but we, they also played soccer, and we hiked in Silver Falls, and we hiked up to Mount Angel and showed them the seminary and the abbey, and they played basketball, and I beat a whole bunch of them at pool, and, um, you know, there was ping pong and all this stuff. But at the end, I, I asked some of the guys, I said, what was your favorite thing? And not one of the boys said basketball or soccer or ping pong or getting beat by Father Peter at pool. None of those things were their favorite thing. They said the liturgy of the hours. I never prayed the liturgy of the hours before. Um, the holy hour. Every single thing that they said was something that they don't get to do all the time. And it, and it really spoke to me that immediately, you know, that's what their response was. In, in that reality, that's what we're all trying to get towards, right? Where, where are we going? Where are all of us going? And so periodically, I like to focus on this about once a year, about prayer, about truly building the relationship with the Lord. Now remember, of course, there's all different aspects depending on how long somebody's been really living out their spiritual life, right? Something that the monks do at Mount Angel that the Benedictines are famous for is Lexio Divina, that's like a prayerful, slow reading of the scripture. God's word is speaking to you, right? And you're having sort of a dialogue with the word in that moment. But it takes a little while till you get to like Lexio Divina, right? And so you start with a lot of the basics. And so one of the basics that I wanted to start with today is just a prayer process. Because we all have to begin somewhere and it begins with a conversation. Now, I've mentioned this before. This is Matthew Kelly's prayer process, so you can find it. The prayer process, Matthew Kelly, and it'll pop up, right? But this one has been, over time, he drew this all together from saints and spiritual masters and all these different sources, right? So this is not like new information, but sometimes it's compiled in a new way that we can absorb and we can understand. So the first step of this prayer process is gratitude, is gratitude. If we have time, 
to sit in prayer. Now, this can take a few minutes or it can take a long period of time, just depending how long you feel like sitting with each aspect of this prayer process. But you sit and you say to the Lord what you're thankful for from the last time that you prayed. Now, if you could bring yourself to do this every day, you're only recounting a 24-hour period. So in the last 24 hours, what am I the most thankful for in my life? Who knows, maybe you had a doctor appointment and you weren't sure what was going on with your health and they give you a clean bill of health. And it's like, Lord, I'm just so thankful that I'm healthy. I'm thankful that my, my spouse, my children are healthy. W- whatever that might be, that maybe you're looking for a job and you find a job. Lord, I'm glad that I found a job. But whatever are you the most grateful for, probably one of the, the most important steps is that first one. We express our gratitude to God. What we hear in the readings today, the architect and creator of us all. The next step is an important one. It's, it's awareness. We're looking at our life where we're the best version of ourselves and you can't have one without the other and the worst version of yourself, right? You have to look at these things. Who knows, maybe you were at work and there was some kind of a situation and then a bunch of your coworkers start gossiping about like your manager or something like that. And it's very temp- tempting to jump in on that conversation, but you're like, I think I'm going to circumnavigate that conversation because it's only got the wrong place to go, right? So maybe you're talking to the Lord about, like, you know, there, there was that opportunity, their temptation to really enter into that, that dialogue with those folks, but, but I felt like I made the more virtuous choice and I, and I avoided getting caught in that snare there. But who knows, maybe the worst version of yourself is you get home after a long day of work and the very first thing you do is be mean to your spouse. <laughs> it's like the first thing you did when you got through the door and you're like, well, maybe the worst version of myself is when I yelled at my wife as soon as I walked through the door. You know, like, who knows? Or if you're younger, maybe it's just like, as soon as I got home from school, I basically picked a fight with one of my siblings, right? So we just look. Where is it? When are we the best version of ourselves? Where are we following the Lord? What does that look like? And when are we not? When are we not following the Lord? The next step is significant moments. Significant moments. I found often when I do this prayer process, that significant moments very often overlap with when I was the best version of myself or when I was the worst version of myself, often. Not always, but often. So yesterday, I'll give you an example. My, one of my best friends, Drew, he sends me a text. He said, hey, are you at your house? I was like, yeah. He's like, can I come by? I'm in the neighborhood. I was like, absolutely. And so now, Drew, I'll tell a little story about Drew. Drew took over for me at the Multnomah Athletic Club when I went into the seminary. So he still runs a big part of the outdoor department there. So he's one of my best friends, one of my climbing friends, one of my mountaineering friends. And I remember one time he was going to climb Denali in Alaska for the second time. He'd already done it once before. He was going back to do it again. And we were going to prepare his gear all of this pack weight, right? Much of what we hear today is about preparation, about preparing for these things. So remember, what I'm going through is the best way to prepare is our prayer life. But in this particular case, right, we had all the gear like laid out in his apartment, all of my gear and all of his gear. And then we had a gram scale and we would just weigh everything. We weighed everything. And most, I'm, I'm what you call a weight weenie in the mountaineering world. Like, I'm super particular about, like, how much everything weighs because you've got to carry it on your back. And so when we scrutinized all of this gear, 
we saved Drew 15 pounds on his pack weight, which is, which is amazing. But at that point in my life, I spelt, spent so much time immersing myself into my, my hobby, my trade, so to speak. But then there's a point I realized that I was just like, I'm not immersing myself in, in something that lasts as much as I am in something that does not. You know, what's one of the things in this reading here? I really love this particular line. Provide money bags for yourself that do not wear out, right? So I shifted my focus. I was like, now certainly I could be a holy and good man by teaching people how to climb the rest of my life. That, that could be totally fine. But then I realized maybe I could spend my time doing something greater, building up a greater treasure, helping people get to heaven. So it kind of shifted my focus. So Drew calls me yesterday, and, and he comes over to the house, and I haven't seen him in a while. And it was amazing. That was the most significant moment of my day. We went out into, because I, I live in Selwood now, and we went out to the bike shop, and we bought him a bicycle. It was an awesome day. It was like hung out, talked a bunch, and bought a bike that wasn't with my money. So, you know, he bought a bike, and I basically got to pick it out. It was super fun. Uh, so that was the most significant moment of my day, to see one of my best friends uh, and to spend time with him. And just talk to the Lord about what that means to you, why that means something to you. The next step is peace or forgiveness in our life. It's like a small confession or examination of conscience directly with you and the Lord. You, you, you say to the Lord, is there a time where you have sinned against him, yourself, or your neighbor in some way, shape, or form? You know, bring that sin to mind. Talk to the Lord about it and then ask for forgiveness. Ask for his peace to take the place of that sin in your life. Ask for his forgiveness. And then the next step that you move on to is freedom, much attached to that step that came right before of forgiveness. Freedom is, is there something in my life that might be enslaving me, keeping me from being truly free to be the best child of God that I could possibly be? Maybe it's some sort of addiction to, to alcohol, to drugs, to, to food, to, you know, digital media. Who, who knows what it could be? You know, maybe it's, um, maybe it's a relationship that you're in or you're a workaholic and you're having time spending, you know, time where you need to spend time. Who knows what it is? But what is enslaving you and keeping you from being truly free to be a joyful child of God in your life? You know, where is that balance off in that part? And then you move on to another super, super important step. Once all of these things take place, thanking God for what you have, being more aware of your space in the world, the best version, worst version of yourself, your own sense of what's significant and means a lot to you in your life, your own sense of sin in your life, where is your freedom? Then you, you start to pray for others. Others is the next step. All of these things rightly in place, we turn our love outward. You know, as a priest, of course, like there is absolutely never a shortage of, of people for me to pray for. People who ask me to pray for them specifically, just because I'm right in the center of things. So I hear when people are sick, when people are suffering, when people have died, all of those things. And so we bring them to mind. And, and if we know their name, by their name. If we don't know, know their name, by their situation. People in war torn regions, people who are starving, 
you know, our, our friends that are sick, whatever it might be, we lift all those people up in prayer. And then finally, we finish with the very thing that the Lord talked to the disciples when they watched him doing this. They watched him praying to the Father. They watched him praying all the time. And they finally say, teach us how to pray. And so you just simply finish with the Our Father. To go through those steps every day, like I said, it's possible to do that in just a few minutes, but it could be as long as 30 minutes. You can spend an hour pondering each of those steps just depending on what you, what, you know, how you feel that particular day. But it begins a dialogue because just like the Lord alludes to in this parable, in this situation here, right, that there is a judgment at the end of time and that there's a place where we want to be oriented towards and what we don't want to happen is, you know, we hear it elsewhere in the gospel. We knock on the door. We're like, Lord, Lord, let me in. And he says, I never knew you. But how do, how do you know somebody? You know somebody by beginning this dialogue. Primarily, the dialogue for the Christian is prayer with God. It's the liturgy. You guys come here to be in communion with the Lord. The most intimate way that we receive him is in, in the Eucharist, but also digesting his word, hearing his word, letting it penetrate our lives. But we spend that time with him so that we really are oriented in that direction. Because you're like, he's like, I know you. You talk to me all the time. Sometimes, in fact, you won't shut up, right? You know, but that's, that's, a, good, that's a good thing, though, right? We spend time speaking to the Lord, but then we also spend time in silence with the Lord too, right? Because if we're always speaking, it's hard for us to listen. Over those times of Kulatus days, we have something called a, a heroic hour often. Usually we spend the whole entire night with the Blessed Sacrament exposed, and then all of the young men will fill in those spots of adoration. <laughs> How many opportunities do you think a young man in this world gets to do that? to spend the entire night, to spend an hour, maybe multiple hours with the Lord. I, I, I marveled at some of these young men, some of them kneeling for an hour or more in prayer. It, it's there. It, it's truly in them. But sometimes we have to be removed from the, the material trappings of the world so that we can commune with God. Remember, Jesus often goes up on a mountain to pray, right? He removes himself from the situation of the world so that he can speak and that he can hear. And so that's what we're all called to do, Covatus. Where are we going? We want to go to heaven. That's where we want to go. And so try that prayer process. If you need to look it up, um, I know Janelle has printed them out before in the past when I've mentioned this, but if you just prayer process, Matthew Kelly. It, it'll pop right up. There's even little cards that you can, you can get and put them like in your wallet or something like that. But I'm so thankful to be with all of you here again, and I hope to uh, get to come back here soon. God bless you all.